Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation. And yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade. And don't the kids just love it. Coming in for the final turn. He's gone to the left, a little bit to the right. Dodged the hills hoist. Grass clippings flying in his wake. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown. But is it too much too soon? Only time will tell. He's a do-it-yourself legend in the making. Welcome to the Sport of Gardening. Here's your host, Dale Vine and Jay Neal. And it's so great to have you with us on the Sport of Gardening. We've got a massive show coming up today. We are going to be talking floristry, sustainable floristry, in yep. fact. Dale Vine is my co-host, of course. Hello, Dale. Hi, Jane. <laughs> You've rustled up a couple of guests for us as well. Uh-huh. We actually put the call out last week and on the show recently to say if you know a fantastic business doing great stuff in gardening, landscaping, DIY, let us know about it. And we've had some great suggestions. Sure have. So we're going to catch up with Jess from Ranger Workwear because they're a great local company doing some fantastic things. We've also got a listener question for you, Dale, all the way from Mylor in the Adelaide Hills. We need your expertise. Well, in fact, Linda does in Mylor because we need to talk hedges and some of the options for uh, creating a great hedge at your place. And in just a moment, we're going to catch up with Dwayne Russell for our kind of ISO check-in. What have you been up to, Dale? What have you got for me? Come on. I usually bring in a big basket full of stuff. Yes. Your turn today. I've actually got a box for you here today, Jane. Um, oh, I thought that was a box full of sea salt. No, no. That's a, that's just what's on the outside. <laughs> I thought you had freebies for me. <laughs> well, it is. It's freebies. Oh, so there dear. you go. I'll pass it over. Why does this make me anxious being passed? Oh, no. Oh, it. Bit of weight in there. No, no. I right. was... Uh, I was shopping for a job the other day and I was at the wholesale nursery and I just saw those things and thought, oh, yeah, I remember Jane wanted to plant something up in front of that corrugated iron fence and I've got oh some climbing goodness. ficus. So there you go. So I was talking about uh, how I've been making cuttings and yes. trying to root these climbing ficuses yep. to not much success. Look, they're not going quickly, no, I'll admit that. No. <laughs> and I couldn't find them. I went to about four nurseries. I heard you say that, so I thought, like, oh, there they are. I'll just grab a couple oh, for her. And... Dale, you have made my day. There you go. Ficus pumelia yep. climbing fig. There you go. <laughs> Do you know the only hitch to this? Yeah. I can't actually go to the no, house. No, I know, but they, you can keep watering them until you can get the Ballarat and plant them up. So. Yes, I live in Melbourne. We're in complete lockdown and I'm not actually allowed to go to the house I actually own and have a great garden yeah. in. But Knowing you, by the time you get there, you'll have split those into another four plants and, and away you'll go. Oh, that corrugated iron fence has... Oh, be gone. Oh, yeah. Dale, thank you. No I'm worries. I'm so thrilled. No, easy done. Wow. That doesn't really cut it when all I gave you was a couple of fist-sized lemons the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so those lemons are still going. Don't worry, I've only taken the rind off about a quarter of one. So. Oh wow! Hey, um, you've come up with a little thing you've spotted online as well. Yes. Because yeah. I have been banging on about it's the good time of year to make cuttings and and to take all those cuttings of things that will grow easily and Definitely. maybe try some tricky ones. Yep. You've found something that might be a real help with that. Yeah. So this was uh, I think I was browsing on um, Facebook or somewhere. Um, on the marketplace there. And, and once you start looking up um, 
you know, a certain genre of things, which mine's always garden or something outdoors, um, they start recommending things and things just start <laughs> to pop up, as you'd know. Oh, your algorithm would be working Yeah, so time. it actually did the right thing by me the other day. And this thing <laughs> popped up and it was from a um, mob called uh, All That's Trendy. Um, so I guess if you could looked up their sh- store or just type that in, it would probably come up. And, and they had these great little things that I'd never seen before, which were um, plant growing boxes. So they're basically a, an air propagation system um, and they basically like a little, um, almost look like a, a Christmas hanging bauble decoration that splits in half. And you take a little cutting um right around the trunk or the um, branch of a, a tree that you want to take a, a propagation or, or something from. Mm. Um, so then you fill this ball ball up with um, some beautiful little soil and then put it around um, the tree trunk and it, and it just like clips together. So it basically contains, um, you know, like growing medium around the area that you've sliced and then roots grow within that ball um, for a period of time. Wow. I'm not sure how long you'd leave, need to leave it on there for, but I, I, if you have a look at this picture, by the time it finishes and you take it off, it's like a full matted root ball um, oh, that's ready to plant in the ground. And then you just literally, um, you know, use your secateurs or a knife and, and cut the branch off below the ball and you plant in the ground. So, so they reckon it's got a 99.9% survival rate, which is pretty cool. So instead of taking a, a clipping of a branch off yep. a stem putting it into water like I yes. do, waiting for all the roots to grow. Yep. You clip this Adding thing around Adding your soil it. via a teaspoon soil. every day. Yep. Exactly. You clip this thing around. Yeah. It grows roots while the tree is still growing. That's right. And then you take it off. That's yes. brilliant. Yeah, so it's um, it looks like they've got like a almost like a soil slash peat moss sort of um, sphagnum moss or yeah. something like that enclosed within the, the case. But, yeah, it's really cool. I just thought, how easy is that and what a great idea. It should have been known for years and years. So I have never, ever seen that in my entire life. So. Yeah, they're only about 22 bucks each for a um, – so you can, I think you get a pack of a few in that and then you can um, get going. Wow. So on All That's Trendy on Instagram – Check All that's trendy. Pictures. Yeah, that's it. And um, yeah, you'll be able to find these things and, and get um, creating. I love it. I love the fact that you can use the actual life source of a plant to actually grow that's the right. next yeah, plant. That's right. Yeah, it can keep feeding it the nutrients from the big rootstock underneath of the plant you want to get it from. So um, yeah, it's really easy. And, and with a 99.9% success rate, it's um, you know heaps easier than doing it in the water like you were doing. Well, that's what the package says. So once you've ordered yeah, it and true. proven to yeah. me that it's working. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find some with a 0.1% that's, <laughs> that rings in. Our guest today will be very familiar to many of our SEN listeners. He's a former professional footballer who began his career in the SANFL at Port Adelaide at the tender age of just 16 before moving to the VFL to play for Geelong in 1987. He now commentates AFL and he'll happily call basketball and tennis too and has a daily radio show, Dwayne's World on SEN. Dwayne Russell, welcome to the Sport of Gardening. Jane Dale, great to be with you. I'm not a big gardener myself. My wife does all the gardening, but uh, and we've got one large garden to garden, but uh, she's on the right on mower, she's got the gloves on, she's oh, got wait. the overalls on, she's got the chainsaw out, uh, she's doing the pruning. Uh, there's never a day when she's not out there, so I just glance out the window and give her a wave every now and then and, <laughs> and say, keep on keeping on. Um, keep uh, plucking the branches off that apricot and 
<laughs> ben, pick me some more figs. Yeah, nice. I loved how you just went in hard and strong, Dwayne, yeah. and admitted straight up that your wife does yeah. all of the work without trying to even pretend that perhaps <laughs> you're the man of the garden. <laughs> Well, it's a sort of an established and non-established garden. So I've got two ends of the spectrum. I've got a large block um, and part of the old garden is still there and we've tried to re-establish that. That dates back to the 1800s, the old part of the garden um, with uh, old fig trees and old apricots and because it was a former orchard and vineyard. Um, and there's the new part of the garden that was just barren. And I've planted a fair few of the trees in the new garden uh, I've been here, we've been here 30 years, so um, picked up a few little pine shoots that are, were about an inch yeah. or two inches high, dug them out of the ground from under the old big pine trees in the old garden and planted them in the new area, and they're, they're now enormous. So they've grown, grown over time. We've got about 20 of those that have grown over time. Wow. And I used to work for a radio station called K-Rock back in the old days, and we I used to K-Rock, do the giveaways yeah. over summer where you go down to the beaches and you give away suntan cream and... Icy cold cans of Coke. I sure do. <laughs> That's right. And I had a council truck pull up one day and say, uh, have you got any free giveaways for us? We're from the council. We've had a hard day gardening. And uh, I opened the back of the four-wheel drive and and uh, the council guy saw the chips, the, the packets of chips, and he said, can we get a heap of packets of chips for us <laughs> for a snack? And I said... Only if I can have five or six of those red gums you got sitting in the back there. Yeah. And uh, I swapped in packets of chips Perfect. for a few beautiful old red gums. <laughs> yeah, half beauty. a dozen of them. So they're now enormous as well. That was 30 years ago. So I've, uh, we've slowly established uh, that part of the garden. So it's been fun. Unreal. And what, you're down my way in uh, somewhere near Geelong, aren't you, Duane? I am. I'm in Ceres, which is uh, oh, the Greek yeah. god of farming. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's a beautiful part of the world in the rolling hills and established vineyards around me. Um, I haven't got, I'm not a farmer, so there's a lot of farmers around me who do all the farming. Um, yeah. And and I've got, uh, I've got a couple of cats, a couple of alpacas. I've got about uh, 100 head of rabbit and um, about 5,000 head of cricket, probably normally uh, during some of the summer months. That's about all I've got. Yeah, Hang on, not. so are we snaring some rabbits and putting them in the pot because there is nothing like a good wild rabbit? Oh, I used to have people come around. When I first came here to Geelong from Adelaide back in 87, um, I used to have people come around um, and ask if they could hunt my rabbits. But I've become um, a little bit uh, sympathetic to the rabbit. Um, but so I'm a caught in between. I know the farmers don't want the rabbits. And, you know, I, I sort of see them every now and then. And I like these little things. And they're, they're just going about their business. As long as there's not too many of them, I think it's kind of a nice balance. Oh, and my go. daughter likes to see them. And they, 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 get, they get on all right. There's not too many of them around. So um, I'm probably doing the wrong thing then. I, there I should probably um, be doing more. The farmers would probably like Beautiful. me to do more. But there's not too many holes in my acreage that the rabbits have made. So it's, it, I think they have been pretty well contained. Sounds like they've got a bit of mutual respect uh, happening there. Yeah. They're obviously happy at your place. Now, you mentioned you've got 1880s um, garden remnants on your I property. Have. Do some of those old fruit trees still actually fruit and do you still get good crops off of them or are they more just sort of, you know, the old grandparents in the garden that aren't doing too <laughs> much work? No, the fig does. The fig's really, really old. I don't know what that dates back to, but that's where the old orchard once was. Um, so I think that dates right back. And I think the um, apricot, the, the apricot that I've got, one of them, um, is a really old one as well. So there are still a few that fruit, but most of the fruit trees that we've now got, the lemon and 
we've got a couple of apples and then the other apricot trees and stuff that we've got here um, are new additions. But there is a bit from the old orchard, but the, um, there was a disease that went through the place back in the early 1900s that took a lot of the, the vines and the orchard out and it was never replaced. But it was a pretty famous uh, vineyard back in the day. I mean, it was one of the first ever vineyards established in Victoria that I'm lucky enough to sort of be living on now. Wow, oh, I've got my mind set on a few cuttings from that fig tree because it right. sounds like it must be an amazing old original uh, variety. <laughs> Bring your secateurs down, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll show you the. I'll show you what's there. I'll show you some of the old buildings that are still here from the 1800s I was too. Gonna, some amazing storages as well. Bluestone, wouldn't there? A lot of bluestone buildings and outhouses. And there's a couple of really old cellars that date right back to the, I think, early 1900s or the 1800s as well, just around here as well, really, really old. They're, they're, they're sort of dilapidated, but they've got the, the big dome roofs. Yeah, nice. Um, and they're amazing. They're amazing places uh, just to walk in them and see, you know, the history of the way they've been built, so solid, but, um, you know, so old. And that's how they used to store so much of their food. It kind of strikes me that in COVID times, especially in Melbourne with lockdown <laughs> and, you know, with abattoirs and butchers being closed and that, maybe you should go back to the old days, Dwayne, where you put all your preserves yeah. down for the year, you know, <laughs> jug the rabbits and put them under rendered fat and uh, you'll have a whole stash yeah. in your beautiful cellar. <laughs> well, don't, don't uh, um, those that love their expensive wine now rent old cellars to store their yes, wine. I've got a I, giant one. If it's, maybe I should rent it out for storage because it's, yeah. it's huge, it's cold, it's underground and it's <laughs> not being used for anything right now. It's uh, just been used for the old uh, photo shoot. The yep. odd photo shoot uh, occasionally down there when a photographer wants to take photos of a, uh, a, a new label they've got out or a band wants to do their photo shoot oh, down there. Oh, it must be go. very rustic. Cool. You know what you could do, Dwayne? You could get yourself some little mushroom kits and start growing your own oyster oh. mushrooms and, and fungi. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't start on the mushrooms because my father, I grew up in, around the abattoirs paddocks in Adelaide. So um, in a place called Paraka, we were surrounded. My dad was an abattoirs worker. Yeah. So mushrooming was something that we did a lot back in those days. And Victoria doesn't seem to have as many of the, the mushrooms that I grew up eating, just picking around the abattoirs paddocks back in those days. So when I do spot a mushroom and I see it on someone else's land, I think, wow, that's going to waste. I can't, I, I, the, the, old, the old Dwayne Russell, you know, in the old days, in Paraka days, might have snuck on up. and crept yeah. on and grabbed the mushroom. But you can't do that these days, so I wouldn't dare do it. And are you a bit of a DIY guy? Do you, do you help fix up some of those old no. buildings or you leave that to the experts? No. I'm lucky. Life. I'm yeah. lucky to be able to <laughs> lucky to be able to change a light bulb. To be honest, um, but you know we've all got our skills, and you've just got to admit it. The man's got to know his limitations. That's true. Um, to, to use an old Clint Eastwood line, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> now, what is your lovely wife's name? Because we must actually Lisa. Give her Lisa. What's the next project yeah. Lisa's got on the books? Is there new planting happening, or are you just really in a maintenance phase? Yeah, she's she's an agave scientist. Um, oh. She she. I think we must have we must have a hundred agaves, maybe two hundred agaves. I'm looking out at them now, but um, yeah, she's uh, she cuts them and she puts them somewhere else, and they they flourish. That's what uh, that's what her main mission now is filling spaces with, uh, agave. with agaves. So uh, and some of them are enormous. 
Some of them, she yeah, just taps on the window, and I'll get the I'll get the the call out to go and help her lift one. Yeah. Because they are huge. <laughs> they uh, they're are not big. a one person lift. The bigger garbage. So <laughs> so every now and then I do get a, I do get some dirt on my hands at least. Fantastic. Well, good to hear. And some of those will probably keep going for another hundred years. And one day someone will be talking about the place with your stuff as if it was from the eighteen eighties. Exactly. I can just right, picture exactly. Dwayne sitting on the chair inside watching the wife mow out there and. <laughs> Knitting an alpaca yep. jumper out of his uh, alpaca's wool there. Oh, I've got I've got a cupboard full of alpaca wool that, that's <laughs> never been used. So, yeah, don't talk to me about that. When they get shorn, oh, we'll use that wool one day. Of yeah. course we won't. Well, Dwayne, it's been lovely to have you on the sport of gardening. And, uh, yes, it sounds like a wonderful place that you've got there. I would love to see some photos of these old buildings and the cellar. And, look... Good luck with the rest of the footy season. We're kind of getting towards that pointy end. I know it's been strange for all of you guys commentating, but who's your tip for Premier? Uh, whoever gets the grand final in their house. So if it's the West Coast Eagles, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, if it's in Perth, it'll be the West Coast Eagles. If it's Adelaide, I think Port Adelaide can win it. If it's in, if the grand final ends up being in Brisbane at the Gabba, yep. I think the Lions. So oh, I think I reckon the grand final will be in Perth. So I'll go the West Coast Eagles. There you go. You heard it here first. Thank you, Dwayne Russell. Really appreciate your time. Jane, Dale, great to be on your show. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. The Sounding Board with Craig Hutchison and Damien Barrett. It's sport, it's the media, it's talking about the issues that matter. So Damo was sent to Brisbane to cover the formative years of the Brisbane Bears slash Lions. You've got to have a conciliatory relationship with the one subject you're writing about. Damo went into Brisbane. You misrepresent me as a hater. With the sole intent of taking down the one <laughs> club that he was there, whose livelihood he depended upon, and you went to war. I tell you what, if you're on TV and I don't watch you, it's not personal, mate. I just have other things to do sometimes no, just... on a Monday night at 11 o'clock or 10.30. I would explore the money side of it, absolutely, because even my levels of exposure to the financial situations we are all facing, Hutchie, have me take the view that if there is a ridiculous check in front of the AFL for the grand final of 2020 to be played in Perth, I'm looking at that check. Are you taking it? I'm probably taking the check. For DrinkWise, stay safe. And if you're choosing to drink, please DrinkWise. The Sounding Board with Hachi and Damo. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Now, Dale, last week on the show, we put the uh, call out yep. to find out about some of the incredible businesses around Australia who are doing wonderful things in the gardening space, in the DIY landscaping area. And you had a mate remind you about a really cool company. <laughs> I did, and it's a company I was already aware of, so I can't believe I didn't think of it myself. So uh, Ranger Outdoor, and they're based down near me uh, in beautiful Balbray, just outside of Geelong, uh, and they are unreal. They make some really cool workwear gear. Um, so, yeah, we thought we'd get Jess on the line and have a yak. Well, this is Jess Cooper. Welcome to the Sport of Gardening, Jess. How are you going? I'm good. I'm so good. I mean, we're so lucky down here at the moment in stage three. We're still able to go to work and still able to be on the farms and able to go surfing. So I can't complain at all, but I'm definitely feeling for all the people in stage four, that's for sure. Isn't yes. it funny? We're still three and we're still like almost bragging like um, how oh, good it totally. is compared like, to four. Life hasn't, life hasn't changed that much, really. Like Besides not being able to sort of pop over and see friends and family, I mean, I live with my parents, so that's totally oh, fine. Sold. Yeah, you've done it. Well done. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. people all around Australia thinking of us Melbournians, but yeah, just a few I know. Like, days. What a bad 
time to be stuck in. People already feel bad enough for us Victorians down in the cold weather, and now it's August and we're actually <laughs> stuck in Victoria. <laughs> what a perfect time to get on your phone or your or your laptop and look up a brand new outdoor workwear range or outdoor exploration range um, in Ranger Outdoor, mate. So you've done a great job. I've actually had Jess send me a um, a shirt and a pair of shorts and a nice little cap, and been wearing them around the house as well as outside for the little jobs on the weekend. So I'm in love with them, Jess. They're so comfy and durable. Great. I'm so good. I'm so glad to hear. It's funny, like. I get a lot of people saying, oh, it's too nice to wear for work wear. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I had a look at it. (laughs) (laughs) And I say, why don't you just buy two, then have one for good and for for casual and then one for work? Like, because it's a low price when it's at that, you know, it's affordable that you can do that. So, um, yeah, no, I really, we really pride ourselves on the fabric and the quality as well. Now, talk to me about workwear, Dale, because look, yes. I've done my fair share of hard labouring jobs in the past, probably yep. nothing as hard as yep. you, but you know, it is really important to have gear that's comfy. Have you ever been on site and had a rip? Oh, Jane, yeah, of course I have. <laughs> and do you know where I always rip to is right in the seam of the, the yep. shorts or the pants. So I'm always getting a rip right in the most awkward place. And I, I don't know until I'm bending over paving or squatting and then somebody points it out that, you know, what should be inside is hanging on the outside. So it's uh, it's never good, Jane. It's never pretty. So, Jess, I'm assuming no workwear is Dale-proof and there will be rips and splits at some point, but you've kind of got a bit of a blend with the – it's organic cotton, but have you given it a little bit of extra stretch for people like Dale who have pants problems? Of course. Well, that's like, you know, I've obviously did a lot of customer research um, when I was coming up with the concept and establishing the brand. And so many people would say to me, yeah, my shorts last two months, three months, or that go through like 10 pairs of shorts a year. And for me, I was looking at that just going, it's such a disposable industry. Like that is just such a, it's a disposable product. Mm -hmm. And especially sort of with the, when you're moving into the high vis and everything as well. So for me, it was all about, creating a good comfortable durable product so um, the organic cotton doesn't make it any stronger but that just offers a you know we use a GOTS certified organic cotton which means so GOTS is the global organic textile standard the standard for having certified cotton so that means it's traceable cotton from the farms that it was grown on um, to the to the to the fabric mills through the suppliers, so you can trace each step that the cotton um, and the fabric has has gone through for the process from the farming until us as the end um, end business that's distributing the product. So, um, so yeah, so we we added a couple of percent, so about three percent of spandex in there for that stretch and for the people like Dale who are what they say blowouts in their shorts. <laughs> so really having that stretch just allows for more movement. Um, and we're getting people sort of coming back to us saying our shorts, you know, they've had them for six months and they haven't got a single tear in them. So I'm really interested to see how you go, Dale. Yeah, really putting them I'll the give test. them a good flog. Don't worry, they'll be um, <laughs> they'll be tested. They'll be uh, in all sorts of um, squatting positions, that's for sure, while I'm paving away. <laughs> Hey, if I, this could be a really good test. I'm going to have to monitor you and, and your, your progress with them. I want to see how long it takes you to get a rip in them. <laughs> All right, I will do. I found with tradies that even when they do rip stuff, it's almost like a badge of honour. I mean, obviously not when it's right down the back seam, but it's kind of like you love wearing stuff that you're comfortable in, so you just keep wearing it until it literally falls off your body. 
Well, that's what, like, you know, I guess with with tradies and with anyone sort of working, um, they, I guess it becomes a bit of a second skin. So you do, they probably, they mould to you and they, they give that bit of stretch and then they do become something, you know, you're wearing it every day. So they want to make sure it's comfortable, but it's more longevity they can get out of the product, the better. And that's what we're, that's what we're aiming to achieve with our products. Yeah. And I also noticed on your website when I was checking out the range, Jess, that 10% of sales at the moment are going towards Beyond Blue. That is an incredible thing to do, to think that you can sit at home, do some online shopping, support an Australian company, but also support Beyond Blue. Yeah, well, something I felt really passionate about and I've been thinking a lot about in the past month. Um, from the start as a brand, we definitely felt we wanted to give back in some way. So. Firstly, starting with having the organic, um, the sustainability side of things, which was a point of difference in the workwear industry, Um, having a commercial everyday product for tradesmen and and farmers and anyone working in the outdoors um, that that does, you know, it's less harmful in terms of the manufacturing on the environment. Obviously, that's such a a big, um, big issue at the moment. So... We we started off with that, but I sort of kept sort of having this feeling like I wanted to to donate a certain percentage of sales um, to society somehow, and and I th- I think with mental health, obviously, I think everyone is affected in some way or another by mental health, and whether it's themselves or someone they know or someone close to them, and obviously with what we're going through in the world at the moment, um, mental health is is going to be worse than ever, so. I felt like it was a really good opportunity for us to give back and, and it was something that kind of kept playing on me every day and then I felt like that was a really good way to do it. So as we've entered stage four in most of Victoria, I just felt like it was a really good time and period for the next, so to do an initiative for the next six weeks where we donate $10 of each product sold to Beyond Blue. Um, so Beyond Blue obviously uh, renowned for supporting mental health and uh, I think, you know, they, they need all the help they can get at the moment, all the, the um, yeah. initiatives that do support mental health. So that's what we, um, yeah, why we chose to, to take that initiative. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much on behalf of Beyond Blue. I'm sure they will be really thrilled to get your donations uh, coming through. Now, people can yeah, jump online to rangeroutdoor.com.au. You've got the men's range. You've got a couple of women's items there as well. The caps, so much more. Thank you so much for being on the sport of uh, gardening, Jess Cooper from Ranger Workwear. Really appreciate hearing about such a great local company. Thanks so much for having us and thanks for um, for supporting. And Dale, I'm really looking forward to to hearing about how those shorts last quarter. I'll uh, I'll put them through the rip test, yeah. The shirts are even harder to get a a rip in. So, you know, they're... The product sort of gets better better and better with wear, so I look forward to hearing how you go oh, with brilliant. that. Brilliant. No, I'm definitely going to put in an order for some more shirts, Jess, and I'll, um, I might even get the logo of the company on there, I reckon, and make it my new of course, work range. That makes it look even more professional. Perfect. And we have more products landing in October where we have more options of, um, of lighter weight shirts, full button through, longer shorts. And, yeah, so hold tight. That range will be released in a few months. That's Jess Cooper from Ranger Outdoor. Noticed a few people on her Instagram who might be familiar to our listeners. Yeah, so <laughs> if you go to at ranger underscore outdoor, you'll be able to check out a few uh, pictures there. And there's even some AFL stars that during the lockdown period when they weren't playing footy. Reese Stanley, Nick Vloston and Tom Hawkins all getting on the Ranger gear and doing some work around the house. So it's great.
No worries. And I love the fact you're now their new crash test dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I can't wait. You're on the sport of gardening with Jane and Dale, and we're back in a moment. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Don't shoot the messenger with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Great local tips, books, screen food, recommendations, the week that was. There was a lot of politics and division behind the scenes in the AFL at the moment over several Indigenous issues, including Indigenous personnel and the Indigenous Advisory Board. Things are going to happen in the next few months, I reckon, there. People are going to change. Good, good change or bad change? Well, I think there's going to be a restructure. Caro, what do we have at the end of Point and Appeal? It's called quarantine. All the buildings are still there for the same amount of money. If the government had really super quick pressed the button, got all the tradies down there, we could have actually put everyone there. They would have all fitted. They could have had beautiful walks, lovely sea air. They could have all been contained. I heard a little rumour that you might be going up north to cover the grand final. For Red Energy 100% Australian electricity and gas, become best friends with Caro and Corrie. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And welcome back to The Sport of Gardening, a show where the love of sport and gardening and DIY collide. We are determined, Dale Vine and I, to turn gardening into a real sport. And (laughs) the campaign is growing, Dale. (laughs) Yeah, no, it'll be at the Olympics next time it's on. I'm telling you, Jane, it's, it's getting big. Uh, your love of bonsai, I reckon, could definitely uh, be a yeah. competitive thing. That is for sure. Hey, when was the last time you bought your beautiful wife, Sophie, some flowers, Dale? I would say two weeks ago. And that's not often. I don't often do it, but it just randomly was about two weeks ago. <laughs> I saw some beautiful pictures mm-hmm. by a woman we're about to chat to, as Daisy does. Tell me about Daisy. How do you know her? I know Daisy because that's where I buy the flowers for Sophie. Uh-huh. She, she, Sophie is very familiar with the uh, with Daisy's beautiful business as well because uh, she uses a lot of their um, uh, arrangements for her photo shoots and things she does as well. So um, yeah, if it's along. If it's along the lines of what Sophie likes, then I know that's where I've got to shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daisy, welcome to the show, and. Sounds like a wonderful thing that you're doing, making sure that guys like Dale have beautiful flowers to give their beautiful wives. Oh, thank you. I can actually back Dale in. It was about two weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I'll <be> you coming in. <laughs> You'll have to send him a reminder in another couple of months and go, Dale, time to come back. Yeah. Well, now I've got his number, I will. I'll be sending reminders all the time. Now, I'm sort of new to to your work, Daisy, but a quick scroll through your Instagram will really show people what you're on about as a florist. So what are your sort of basic fundamentals of your business? Are you trying to do things, like Dale said, more sustainably and differently to your traditional florist? Yeah, I think the way we work that's probably the most different is that you never sort of know what you're going to get with the flowers. So our customers order and it's always the florist choice. Um, and we go to the market and just work off what's looking good and what our local suppliers drop us. Um, so we've got the freedom to just go with what's fresh, I suppose. Yeah. That's a really big difference, though, isn't it? Because, look, I, I will admit, I worked in big florists in Melbourne during my uni days, and a lot of the time, even when it was like online orders and that, it's like I want it to be this and I will ring and complain if it does not look exactly like the picture that I ordered online. It's almost impossible. I mean, flowers are living things. They're not always exactly the same every week of the year. 
Yeah, and I think I actually learned the hard way because we originally had a full catalogue with um, image options and then I'd leave things out if they didn't look good. So dealing with the complaints, I sort of had a screw this moment. Hmm. <laughs> um, and thought, I'm just going to work with what I like. And, it's yeah, it's worked really well in our favour. So nah, It's beautiful. And it's, yeah. it's great that uh, when I go to a restaurant, Daisy, I always um, – Sophie hates it when I do it too. I, when they come and ask for um, what you're going to order for your main meal, I always ask the person there, you know, what's your best thing? I'll just have that. You know, what do most people yeah. really like at this place? And she's like, yeah, and they don't know. They're just waitresses <laughs> and stuff. And I said, nah, they, they know what plates – have what on them all the time. So, um, yeah. and that's the same with floristry. I reckon that the florist sees it all the time, and they know what's in in trend as far as plants and um, and beautiful flowers that are in in season. So, I reckon it's great business just letting letting the uh, yeah, florists exactly. do their thing. I think it's just an artistic thing too. I think if you go on go on an Instagram page and have a look, you can get a pretty quick idea of what someone's style is. Yep, um, and work off that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, that's like picking a cuisine, yeah. like you said. <laughs> and so style is right up your alley too because she is all about the I call I jokingly call it half dead, half alive. So it's like <laughs> it's it's things that are uh, you know, you get your banksias and stuff that can be alive and, and still coloured and beautiful, but you also chuck in a few um, already dried ones and things that look so good in the in the bouquets as well. So it's it's a really good mix, yeah. I reckon. Thank you. Sophie tends to go for the 100% dead. Yeah, she, oh, well, it's great because it lasts for a long time because it doesn't change over time, which is so Dale, good. they're called dried flowers. Dried, yeah, sorry. Dyed, dried, it's it's similar. So, Daisy, what are some of the... Dead flowers. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the plants and, and the foliage and things that you're working with that, at the moment that you're really kind of loving and that customers are finding sort of interesting and different in the bouquets? Yeah, well, actually, one of the... The one we're using the most at the moment is there's a local guy that's cutting back his magnolia trees and dropping it in. Oh, beautiful. Like this massive teddy bear magnolia branches. Um, yep. And whenever we put it in someone's bouquet, they go nuts for it and yep. tell us it lasts forever. So I love that. And then the preserved, like you said, is a huge hit, preserved and dried. Yep. Um, but um, at the moment, hakey is another really cool one that's starting to come into the cut flowers, which Brilliant. I love. Yeah, they've got the nice love big native. sort of... Big nut-looking thing on the outside of it too, which is cool. Oh, the black cockatoos love the hakeas. So, do they actually have a nice sort of bold flower as well, or are you just using it for foliage? They've got a really cool flower. I don't actually know the variety we've got at the moment, but it's almost blue. Um, wow! And I love it. I'm just uh, I'm a big native fan. So, there's a Nawari Proteas, a local business that drops us a lot of native foliage and yep. flowers. Um, always my favourite. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah, and to get yeah, any, uh, we're about to get into the season of um, one of my favourite smelling plants, the um, baronias as well. Do you ever chuck them in there, Daze? I have used them a few times. I haven't seen them at the market for ages, but yeah. whenever they're there, I grab them. So Ooh, beautiful they just bloody smell so nice. I love them. Yeah, they've got a very distinct smell. Hey, we know, Daisy, that a lot of imports from overseas have been completely shut down due to COVID and, you know, lack of travel internationally. Yeah. And it's sort of interesting to learn that so many of the cut flowers that get sold in Australia are actually from Chile, from South Africa. You don't know how much people are getting paid to pick them. They have to, I mean, 
I remember working in florists where everyone knew that the orchids all got sterilised before they came in from overseas and no one wanted to touch them because they were full of chemicals to make sure they weren't full of pests and bugs. So do you think people are starting to turn towards wanting flowers that are locally grown or at least Australian grown and sourced from local farms? Yeah, in a huge way. And I actually think there's a lot more local producers at the markets now as well because um, people are willing to pay a little bit more for it. And I think the issue was that people didn't want to pay for it originally. But, um, yeah, we're seeing a massive push, and there's heaps more growers popping in now with their produce, which is really nice. Yeah, and it saves cool. us a big drive. So <laughs> not complaining. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And the uh, I didn't know there was a, a, a black world of um, underground <laughs> forestry. There is. There is. And, you know, if, <laughs> if you want to tendle a bunch of red roses at Valentine's Day, you are not getting anything grown in this country, that is for sure. Yeah, you are wow. getting, like I can remember using some roses. It's like there's barely even a stem on it. Yeah. It's just flimsy. Yeah. And, and they come in boxes, not in water, like flat packed in boxes. Ooh, yeah. The underground black market of floristry. It's, yeah. uh, there's a book in that, Days. You'll have to get onto that. Hey, Daisy. I'll do that. For people listening who might have, uh, you know, a garden sort of growing rampantly, not everyone can afford, you know, top shelf beautiful flowers all the time. I love splurging when when I want to, but I still think that bringing flowers into your home every week is just such a boost for your mood, especially at this point in time. So what would you recommend? Like if people wanted to try making an arrangement, do you just grab the secateurs and head into the garden and just start clipping? Yeah, you can't really mess it up. And I always, my number one rule is it doesn't look good, add more. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's a good rule. Keep adding. Yeah, no, very good. You know, often it's just falling apart because there's not enough in there. So, yeah, like my sister always has a crack and it looks messy but looks good. Yeah, nice. And, Daze, how did you get yeah. into it? Like, were you obviously you got a great name for the for the industry. Um, but I was named well. Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually look, looked at calling our our latest daughter Daisy, but um, mixing it up with Vine as a surname, it's getting Daisy pretty, Vine. That it's getting been. very specific, isn't it, as to <laughs> what you're going I for there? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how how long have you been doing I, um, it? I've been. Well, I've had my own business for seven years, and probably started. My grandma has been an amazing gardener her whole life. But um, I was a vet nurse, but I only got two days a a week. I think it was only, yeah, two days a week I was working. So I got a job casually at a florist and then ended up at a rose farm and just loved it. So I did a friend's wedding and it took off from there, really. Another friend asked and then another friend, and then I got a shared and hired some people. Yeah, well, maybe when my back gives out, I might have to come and join you. Um, (laughs) I did the flowers for our wedding, Jane. Did you really? What did you use? Yeah, just went out and got to the, um, picked what I liked from the Geelong Flower Farm and um, just made arrangements myself for all the tables and for Sophie's bridesmaids and everything. So they looked looked ordinary, but, you know, it was good fun. (laughs) Budget, budget wedding. What's that, sorry? I stalked your wedding and oh, the flowers with my life. Yeah, oh, I did. Geez. I loved her dress. <laughs> yeah, her dress was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, the flowers I, on that. <laughs> I, I learn something new about Dale Vine every week on the show, and I did not know that he would be game enough to do the flowers for his Oh, there was wedding. no, there wasn't game. It was just, uh, <laughs> you know, budget. That's what it was. I, was, I, it was I wonder fun. how many people will Google them now. Yeah, yeah. true. At least yeah. three. It, um, it can be pretty <laughs> stressful, Daisy, in my experience doing weddings because, uh, you know, the bridezilla thing is a real thing. Do you find that it, it takes a lot out of you or is it always a pleasure? 
Well, it kind of works the same way as our flower bunches do. At the start, we had a few bridezillas and then we reverted back to meeting them and if we thought they were relaxed and we'd work well together, we'd take it on. Otherwise, we didn't. So yep. same thing, we let them pick a colour scheme and that was it. Yeah, And cool. we just work off that. So yeah, that's all our brides are pretty chill, yeah. Brilliant. And, Daisy, you've got um, reduced hours in store at the moment um, as far as your opening hours where people can come in and check it all out. But how, how do you now recommend that people um, still order through you guys and, and have a look at your stuff? So do they go to your Instagram and then there's a, an order um, link from yeah. there? or um, Best way is Instagram is where you post all the new products that have come in, so that's yep. a great option. Um, and then that can link you through to the website, which is just asdaisydoves.com.au. Um, or the girls are always on the phones from, I think, 8 to midday they're on the phones. So yep. you can call an order over the phone and they're a bunch of legends, so yeah. they'll help you out. Too. Yeah. Brilliant. And, Daisy, do you have a very particular favourite flower? A lot of florists do have one that's really close to their heart. For me, it's the Icelandic poppy because I actually used to work for years in you know between doing other jobs on a poppy farm in the Adelaide Hills. And a poppy yeah. just brings back so much of my you know memories to me. That flower is so sort of important to me. What's your favourite flower? Weirdly, mine's a flower called Echinox. Um, which is like this blue, spiky, ball-looking thing. Oh, um, yeah, I know those I ones. I love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm about to do the garden and I want to put it in the garden. So yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm on the hunt, but it dries really well. So I love anything I can put in a vase and leave there for three months. Yeah. Is that called sea holly by another name? That's a different flower, but really similar. It's okay. another favourite too. It also dries really well. Yeah. And so do you actually grow your own flowers as well? Because, you know, sometimes uh, people who do something professionally, painters who have half their house unfinished, mm. <laughs> not painted properly, do you actually get in the garden and grow stuff yourself that you can use in your work? Well, I've actually only just moved out of mum and dad. Um, so I've just moved in with my partner on a property out the other side of Winchelsea and there's a massive, it's just surrounded by gardens. So I'm about to get stuck in. Brilliant. Um, Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, can't wait. Oh, very <laughs> yeah. good. Oh, well, thanks very much for coming on the show, Daisy, and I'm sure I'll see you in the store uh, very shortly. I'll send you a reminder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure you will too. Good Sounds like he, he wouldn't mind doing a bit of work experience with you either, Daisy. He's <laughs> obviously got a bit of uh, talent when it comes to the floristry. No. Daisy, thanks yeah. so much for your time. No worries at all. Thank you. Ah, uh, yes, a woman with a perfect name for being a florist. Daisy there from As Daisy Does. And you can jump on her Instagram and check out all the flowers we've been talking about, Dale. Yeah, and that's the same handle. So it's at as Daisy does. So at as Daisy yeah, it's does. A hard one to say. Look, we are going to put the links in the show notes to the podcast of the Sport of Gardening. So if you do want to catch up on any of the details or share an episode with a friend, make sure you head to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to the Sport of Gardening. Dale, we've got a listener co- a question coming up for you in just a moment, and yep. a reminder: if you would like to uh, tell us about a fantastic business maybe in the horticultural space, maybe in the landscaping arena, or perhaps you just want to brag 
about your own business, send us an email. We'd love to check in with you. Feedback at sportofgardening.com.au. It's been great to meet so many small business owners during the show, Dale. And Daisy's exactly that sort of person. You know, great to hear these stories of people doing things just a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just great um, finding those smaller businesses that are doing something really cool. So, mm. um, yeah, that's what I like doing, finding these people and having a yak to them. And making sure, you know, they're supporting local farmers, local growers yeah, and local definitely. gardeners. So we love it. And even, you know, helping people to get rid of all the prunings from their trees. That's it. And <laughs> brightening up someone's day when you give them a nice, beautiful bunch of flowers. Lovely stuff. Stay with us. More to come on The Sport of Gardening. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jamie. Real adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood. Everything fishing, boating and outdoors. You know, most people thinking that great white sharks stay close to the coast, but if you have a look at this, the shark in real time through that 99-day span, literally passing through the world's open ocean from one continent to Australia. Quite extraordinary. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood. Subscribe and listen today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Sport of Garden with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. And before we go, Dale, we need to answer a listener question from Linda in Mylor in South Australia, beautiful part of the Adelaide Hills there. Yeah. And Linda says, Hi, Dale and Jane. Thanks for the show. Thank you, Linda. I'd like to plant a hedge along a fence line, but would really like to have more native plants in my garden too. Is there anything you can recommend that will hedge well that's a native species? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I guess if you want to attract some birds and things to your property as well, uh, you could try a grevillea hedge. Um, they've always got the beautiful flowers for a long period of time throughout the year. Uh, this time as well during winter when not much say, else is flowering. Yeah, yeah the um, birds are loving them at love the moment. Yep. Uh, another native I suppose you could give a go um, is hakea. They'll make a bit more of a dense hedge than what grevillea will do uh, and they'll be able to grow a little bit taller as well than the grevilleas. Um, and I suppose you could, if it was just a nice little short hedge that um, you wanted to attract some bees and things as well, you could go with Westringer or something like that. So, um, yeah, they'll all fluff up very nicely and uh, form it a good little hedge that's going to attract things to your garden. Which is good to hear that you didn't even mention, I say petosterum, some people say oh, pittosporum. Yeah, yeah. Look, very popular, very fast growing, yep. but I reckon maybe we're all a little bit over those I hedges. I think so, yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's no wildlife interest either other than something nesting inside the dense vegetation, yeah. Okay, so there you go. In my law, Linda, hopefully your native nursery. Actually, she could head up to the Mount Lofty uh, Gardens yeah, there you native go. You nursery. Know the nurseries up there, Jane, for we sure. We spoke to uh, Mark Oborn from uh, Mount Lofty recently. So there you go, Linda. Head to your local nursery, find some wonderful uh, plants there for that hedge, and send us a picture yeah. when it's planted. Well, it might be a few years down the track before yeah, it really well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Dale, thank you so much for joining us today no, on the my show. Pleasure. Just a reminder that Dale's book is in stores now. now. Dale Vine's Outdoor Reno Guide, Transform Your Garden on Any Budget. And I have been leafing through it on a weekly basis and learning stuff all the time, Dale. So (laughs) pop that one on the uh, shopping list for Father's Day as well. You can ask us a question via feedback at sportergardening.com.au. You can head to Dale's Instagram 
at Viney D to see some of his work. You can. If you want to head to my Instagram to see shots of weird stuff I do in the garden, <laughs> at Saining Jane. Thanks for being with us. And that's it for Season 1 of The Sport of Gardening, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal.